picking those songs, Pastor Steve and the rest of the uh, praise team. That last song sang of the authority of God. And um, how fitting for us to sing that because it's something that um, we're, we're living firsthand right here as a church. Um, as we already referenced, two weeks uh, we only have two more weeks here at Spring Mills Middle School, and um, we trust that that is the Lord's plan. That, uh, something going on weird with my microphone up there. You got me? Okay. Trusting that that's the Lord's plan. And we wanted to, you sh- when you came in this morning, you should have got a paper that looks like this, okay? Somebody in the back of the room maybe can get somebody some of those if, if they didn't make it around. Um, I want to talk about that move that's happening three weeks from this morning. Um, we will be meeting at Faith Christian Academy. That's a new location for us only on Sunday morning. Understand, our mission is fulfilled wherever you are as you go out into the world that you're in. You and I, we live out the mission wherever we are to point people to Jesus Christ in His Word. Now granted, we've been here at Spring Mills Middle School for 10 years, and this has been a great kind of station of operation for us. It's been a great place for us to, to function out of. But folks, this has never been, this spot right here has never been where we point in the community, that is, point our community to Jesus Christ and His Word. Oh, we do it with one another here. But the whole idea is that we leave this place and go and point people to Jesus Christ in His Word. So we have the, the address there for you over on Greensburg Road. I want to just run through a couple things to let you be aware of. First of all, we are, and this is a purposeful decision, we are doing this for our reasons as the Lord has led us. We are switching our service schedule. Right now what we do is we do worship, focus, worship. And so what we're going to do when we go to Faith Christian Academy is we're going to all meet together as one group for worship. Now, you might say, why are you doing that? Um, Is it it because we have more space? Because we do. Is it because there's just more opportunity there in that room? There is. But that's really not the reason. The reason is this is an important moment for us as a church. It truly is. And I want us to be all together as a single body of believers as we go through this transition. I, I, it's, we are a body, but right now we, we do separate into two groups on Sunday morning, and that's, that's been effective for us. I'm thankful for that opportunity. But we can put up more chairs over at Faith Christian Academy, so we're going to do that. And I want us all to be together. So we, we experience this, this new opportunity together as one. So at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, we'll meet for worship. I hope that every single one of you will be there. In three weeks at 9.30. Now after worship, we'll go to focus hour. Again, another purposeful decision. We, we want everyone to be part of a focus group. And I know what happens. You get up in the morning. Maybe you had a late night last night. Maybe you got home at 12.30 in the morning or something crazy, okay? And this morning you were like, well, I don't know if I want to get up and go to focus group. Or I don't know if I want to go to worship. We'll just, we'll just go to the late service. Now, not you guys, okay? You didn't do that. But some people might, all right? And so the whole idea is we'll do worship first because people tend to come to worship. They tend to make that a priority. And so what we want to do is give you the very easy opportunity to stay for a focus group afterwards. Now, we have four focus groups This is a change for us. We don't have as many classrooms available to us at Faith Christian Academy. So we have to pare things down to just four focus groups. And here's what they are. We have a women's class, a women's focus group. That's for only women, obviously, okay? We have a men's focus group. That's just men. 
Then we have a focus group we're calling The Middle, and this is basically for any parents. And that focus group is going to be led by myself and Chris Dozier. We're going to lead that group. Would love to be part of that. And then we're having another focus group. We're calling it just a general focus group. Men, women of all ages, okay, whether you're parents or not, it doesn't really matter. And that will be led by Pastor Brock and Pastor Billy. And so we encourage you to stay for a focus group in three weeks. I know summer gets crazy. We're in and out, okay? People don't just miss one Sunday sometimes. But they miss several. And so when we're part of a focus group, we can see who isn't here. And we can reach out to them. We can reach out to them. I tell you, it's an important role for you as a member of the body. Sometimes I'll reach out to somebody and I'll say, hey, we've missed you the last couple of weeks. And you know what I often get told when I say that? Well, yeah, you called, but nobody else did. Like, my, my call doesn't count, okay? But if you reach out to somebody and say, hey, we've missed you, it means a lot. Now, we don't do it just because it means a lot. We do it because it's part of who we are now. We are a body of believers, a family. And understand, family relationships are significant. We don't just walk away from a family. We call that a broken family, and we weep over that. We have meshed our lives together as a family. And that's something to be honored, and, and it's a privilege to be part of. So let's, let's make this transition a positive one for us. There's more information there. We're excited on Sunday nights. Our youth minister is going to meet at Faith Christian Academy. It's going to be a good setup for us. We're looking forward to that. This Wednesday night, we're having an open house at Faith Christian Academy. We'd love to have you come out. Maybe you've never been there before. Okay, Maybe it's a new territory for you. You'd like to just see it. Some of us are that way. We'd like to just see things before we show up. Okay, So it's there at 730 this Wednesday evening. Some of our ministry leaders are going to be there to see how it's going to function. We want you there not, not only this Wednesday, if, if that works for you, but we definitely want you there in three weeks on Sunday morning. Be in prayer for us. And listen, I've been saying this the last couple weeks, but I'm telling you, God is working. God is working the details for our church. We shared with you over a month ago now that that we felt led of the Lord to say, God, if you want to sell this property, then you can do that. And since that happened, several things have occurred. We need the body to be praying for wisdom right now. I'm telling you, decisions are going to be made real soon about future potential locations for Centerpoint Bible Church. We are praying that God will bring us back here to the Spring Mills community sooner than later. And I'm telling you, the, 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 the levers are getting pulled, all right? The conversations are happening. You need to pray for us that God gives wisdom, that God provides, that he just opens up doors for us because it's exciting. It's exciting. I wish I could tell you more, but I'm just not at liberty to do that. But just trust me, God is doing a pretty neat thing. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you now. We need your grace. It's new every morning, and our need is always before us. Lord, I pray now as we, as we look in your word that your spirit would just have your way with us. Lord, we, we need to hear from you today. We've heard the world all week. We've seen it around us. We've, we've watched people around us who are just diving in headlong into what the world has to offer. And Lord, we know you call us to something different, something better, something from you. So Lord, I pray now that you would balance us. Bring us, Lord, the strength of a ballast that is able to live in this world and not be of it. That we might look for your well done, good and faithful servant. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, I grew up with a whole house full of siblings, all right? Three sisters, one brother. The way my family kind of operated, my parents had a series of children, three girls, boom, 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 all right? And then they took five years off, and then they had two boys. And my brother and I, let's just say we didn't always get along, okay? I really wonder, I mean, my dad built our home that must have been solid, because I imagine that the walls probably were shaking as we threw each other against the wall, literally, at times. Relationships between brothers are interesting. And the, the relationship between two brothers, I think, represents one of the saddest moments in all of your Bible. Their names were Jacob and Esau. Are you familiar with that story? So we have Abraham. God, God gives him a blessing, says, I will bless your descendants. His legitimate son, Isaac, is the recipient of this blessing. And Isaac has two boys, Esau and Jacob, twins. Now, in that economy of God's working, Isaac is going to pass this blessing on to one of his sons. And you might know most of this story, but Jacob was a deceiver. And Jacob was not in line to receive this blessing, Esau was. But through a line of deception that that is almost comical to read in Genesis chapter 27, we see that Jacob tricks, with the help of his mother, tricks his father into giving him the blessing that was meant for Esau. And Esau discovers this. And I'm going to pick up in verse number 37 of Genesis 27. And I want you just to hear this and to to hear the heartbreak of a boy longing for his father's commendation. He wants to hear a blessing from his father. Isaac answered Esau and said, Behold, I have made him, your brother, Lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, now listen to this. Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Listen, the relationship between a father and a son is a significant one. The relationship between a father and his child is is filled with meaning. And, And little boys and little girls grow up to be men and women who still long for a well done from this father. They still long to hear that. And Jesus understands that. And so in our study of Matthew chapter 25, we are going to see Jesus now speak words of commendation from a master to servants. And it represents from a father to his children. And I want us to understand what this blessing is about. I want us to understand that God desires to bless you. You know that? God is a giver. He is a lover of his children. He desires to bless you. And not to bless you with the things that that this world treasures, but to bless you with the things that really matter. I want to see that today. 
I'm going to see God's heart, that he loves us and loves to give us blessing. It is his character. It is, it is, it is God's, the way that God is, if you will, put together, that he's a giver and he's gracious. But what is his desire? What is it that God blesses in his children? I want us to understand today that it's simple faithfulness. And that's something that is important for us to understand. What is simple faithfulness? And how does God bless that? And that would be our third thing today, to see the nature of God's blessing. The nature of God's blessing is more intimacy with him. That's how he blesses. God is a giver. He blesses our faithfulness. And when he blesses us, he gives us more of what we were designed for, intimacy with him. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 25, if you've not already done that yet. We're looking at the parable of the talents. This will be our fourth week in this passage. Let's just review. I want to walk through it. I, I want to walk through it just reminding you of what we talked about, and then we're going to read it, okay? So in Matthew chapter 25, we've got the parable of the talents. Jesus is going away. Jesus is going to leave his disciples. He came to earth. He, he, is, he is showing us the, the Father, and, but he's going to ascend to be with the Father. And he tells his disciples, I'm going to return. I'm going to return, I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to right now I'll be interceding for you before the Father, but I'm going to return. But while he's away, while Jesus is away, he establishes a plan. He establishes a plan to reach the world, to glorify God by reaching the world. And folks, that plan is us. You are the plan. A little risky? <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I think, man, Lord, we could have come up with a better plan. So the master goes away. Understand that the master, when we read this in just a moment, represents Jesus Christ. Represents Jesus Christ. And after his departure, his business must be completed. It has to continue. But no worries. No worries. The master has servants prepared for this moment. So what we have here are servants. We're going to look at three, okay? It'd be very proper to call them stewards. This passage calls them servants. We're going to deal with that in a little bit. But they're given a stewardship. That's be given a trust. They've been given authority over something of great worth. And their business now is to continue the business of the master. That's what they're supposed to do. They act on his behalf. These servants act on the behalf of the master. They do his bidding for his benefit, trusting that the master will reward them. So with very little explanation, not much detail is given, the master departs. And now the servants need to step into action. He'll be back. He'll be back for a reckoning and for a celebration. So these three servants kind of respond two different ways. They respond two different ways. One responds in a, one group, that is two of them, respond in a faithful way. These stewards get to work at once. 
They know the master's business. He's been with them. He's trained them. He's prepared them. And they go to business. But the other one, the fearful one, he acted differently. And the result of his actions, nothing. And then the master returns. And with him comes reward. And with him comes rebuke. To those who were faithful, he rewards. To those that were not, he brings rebuke. And there's a celebration. There's a celebration as the master returns and rewards his faithful servants. They celebrate. Now that you've been re- reminded of what, it's, what we've been talking about, let's read it. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to start at verse number 13. Read along with me. This is Jesus speaking the very last parable that he will teach before he goes to the cross. Watch therefore, he says, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In the context we know this means the day or the hour of his return. You don't know when he's coming back. So watch, be alert. Verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. This is a huge sum of money, about $5 million. Here, when you see the word talent, you can think million dollars. That's what it meant in the context. It was a shocking amount when Jesus said that. It was was meant to shock. It was a shocking amount of money, $5 million. It should shock you. You should be like, that's a lot. Yep, that's the point. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents? Here, I have made five talents more. Hands them off. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent came forward. Now watch the contrast here. And folks, this is the... This is the point that Jesus is trying to make. The contrast is very significant. He also received the one talent, came forward, and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. 
And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And drops the 75-pound weight of silver in front of the master. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? (laughs) Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be more given and he will have an abundance But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we have dealt with this over the last couple weeks. Let me remind you of what what we've talked about. It should be on your worship notes for you today, I believe. We've had a couple themes that that we have focused on under this this broad category of stewardship. First of all, we we want to remember that we are always stewards, never owners. You don't own anything. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been bought with a price. And all that you have is really His I mean, the cross is a powerful, powerful instrument in that it brings you forgiveness and it brings you life. But folks, the, 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 the cross is also recognition that he is my master, that he is the Lord, and that all that I have is his. We've understood that here at this building for the last 10 years. I mean, think about it. We have had a, a vivid illustration of stewardship with this building. Always stewards, never owners. We use this building. It's not ours. It's not ours. It's the, it's, it's the owners. At the, end of the, at the end of the hour, we give it back. Always steward, never owner. Second, we talked about the fact that our response to, to, to our view of God affects the way that we live out this stewardship. The, the third servant had, the, had, a, had a wrong view of God. God was a taker. God wasn't a giver. God, God took what wasn't his. He demanded what was really his to demand. His view of God, the third servant's view of God, affected how he lived out his stewardship. He didn't trust the character of God. So he had to take care of himself, see? Because he didn't trust God. He had to take care of himself. This is, this is a way that many people live their lives. They don't have a trust of God. They don't have a relationship of intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. So they got to take care of themselves. Who's in it for me but me is how many people live. And that affects how we operate with the things that have been given to us, graciously provided for us. If I've got to meet my needs and bring me joy and bring me happiness and and provide for myself, that affects everything that I do and think. But that's not our sermon for today. That was three weeks ago. Third, it's kind of a third practical thing that we need to talk about. Just remember is that the first two servants understood that time was short. They needed to get to work now. And so they went at once and put the talent to work. 
They didn't delay. They didn't delay. They got to work now. But today our theme, today our theme is we're going to look at what it is that the Lord said to the servants. And we're going to take this apart. We're going to look at the commendation of God. That God commends his faithful servants. We're going to see what it is that he says. And we're going to to take this apart and understand what Jesus is communicating to us. Who now are in the midst of this long period of time that the master is gone. And what it is that he's expecting of us. And what he will one day commend in his children. We're going to learn about God. We're going to learn what it is that he values. And we're going to learn. Now listen to this. We're going to see what it is that redeemed people value. Are you redeemed today? Are you in Christ? It changes your whole value system. And we're going to see that today in our passage. What we're going to look primarily is in, it's kind of in the middle of this passage. What it is that the master has to say in verse number 21 to his servants. Appreciate that song that Steve uh, had us sing today. And um, we didn't actually plan this, but hey, it works out great. I think God had a bigger plan. Look at verse number 21 with me. His master said to him. This is our first servant. And the master says to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I find it significant that Jesus repeats these exact same words in verse number 23. One produced five talents, one produced two. And they received the same commendation. They received the same blessing. This is... It is, it is God's nature to commend his children, to bless his children. God wants, God wants to be gracious to you. And here it's wrapped up in this phrase, well done. God rewards his servants greatly. He's going to call them to himself. And here's the thing that's interesting about this. When you come to Christ... You desire to hear this well done. You want to hear this from your father. Like Esau in front of his dad. Do you have a blessing for me too? Do you have a blessing for me? God wants to bless you with his commendation. If you're in Christ, you've been accepted. You've been accepted. But now it is that God wants to come and to commend you. Let me say a few words about that. Understand that when we are in the flesh, Romans 8 says that in the flesh, no one can please God. You and I cannot please God in the flesh. This means outside of Christ. When you're operating your own strength, you can never please Him. It's impossible for you to do that. But as believers now, we long for our Heavenly Father to say, well done. You know, without this kind of faith, without without a faith that believes that God rewards those who seek Him, 
We cannot please God. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith that he exists and that he earnestly rewards those who seek him. This is our father. He's a gracious giver and wants to commend. Now we're going to see kind of three aspects of this commendation, okay? We're going to look at them here briefly. And, and they are a good servant who is faithful. So a good and faithful servant. In James chapter 1, there's an interesting passage there that, that James shares with us. James writes this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. When Jesus wanted us to understand that it is the Father's desire to commend, to bless, to give, you know what he used as an example? Dads, he used you. He used a father. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Your children will come up and say, Dad, can I have a piece of bread? You say, sure, and you give them a stone. They'll come up and say, hey, can I have a piece of fish? Yeah, here, here you go, here's a snake. This is what Jesus is using to help us understand the character of our God. Now, it's been a long time, though, that the master has been gone. Jesus said that very, very plainly. He said, now, after a long time, the master of these servants came. It's been a long time. Jesus ascended to be with the Father. It's been 2,000 years. And in your life, it's been 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. You've been in Christ and you're waiting. Now, the thing about a long time is it's easy to get delusioned, isn't it? It's easy to get weary. You know, these, these first two servants, maybe they were tempted to give up. You know, as they're serving, as, as they're doing the master's business, maybe they just wanted to give up. I mean, it had been a long time. Maybe they misheard. Maybe he's not really coming back. Maybe he forgot about us. And think about it, the two servants who are working, who are serving, who are doing the master's business, they know the third servant. They know him. And what'd he do? He went out in the backyard and buried the weight in the ground and then lived his own way. Sometimes in life it can be very hard to keep on going, especially when you see other people around you who aren't. But listen, the master's going to come back. The master's going to come back. He does return. He does. And what does he say? He says, good and faithful servant. Listen, this is more than a cliche. This is more than empty words. This is not flattery. This isn't just some random comment. We need to see exactly what this means. We're going to start with the word good. Now, we use good like crazy. Good morning. Good day. That, you know, that posture is good. Whatever. But what does this word good mean? 
What does it mean when Jesus, well, the master who represents Jesus, says, well done, good and faithful servant? Now, it, this must mean something. It doesn't just mean thumbs up, okay? It must mean something. This comes from a Greek word, agathos, where you get the word agatha, the name agatha from that, okay? And it means good, but what does that mean? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, goodness, okay? The gospel is called good. God alone, Jesus says, only God is good. When describing builders in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said some people build on good soil and some people build on bad soil. They're good servants and bad servants. What does it mean to be good? Well, let me give you a definition. Good means this. It means useful, satisfactory, beneficial, advantageous. But hear this last phrase. Listen to this now. Here's what good means. Accomplishes its purpose. That's what good means. Good doesn't mean thumbs up, I like you. Good is not a cliche to describe your morning. It means it accomplishes its purpose. This is what agathos means. It's a fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is in control of our lives, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, when the Spirit is in control of our lives, we fulfill our purpose and are therefore labeled good. Well done, good and faithful servant. You fulfilled your purpose. Now here's the funny thing about God's economy. Goodness cannot be earned. Goodness can only be granted from the Father. Interesting. So here's what Jesus does. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and verse 10. By his grace, he saves us. Not by our works. Then we could boast. But then once he saves us, he appoints us towards good works. Not good meaning thumbs up. I like that. Good meaning fulfilling our purpose. This is what the cross does, you guys. This is what the cross of Christ does. It makes us good. Not thumbs up. Fulfilling God's purpose. Our purpose had been adverted. Our purpose had been dismantled. Our purpose had been dissolved in sin. And so Jesus came, died for our sin, our sin imputed to the cross, and then his righteousness imputed to us. His graciousness, in his grace that is, he gives us his goodness, fulfilling our purpose. I've used this illustration with you on many times, on many occasions. Put your dog out in the yard and a rabbit run across the yard and watch him fulfill his purpose. Away he goes. Whether he was my little Jack Russell who was, you know, born and breeded to chase rabbits or my Shih Tzu that was born and bred to lay by my feet, both of them take off and turn around with a big smile on their face as if to say, was that good? And I say, yes, 
fulfilled your purpose. The master's commendation here was not, I like you. It wasn't some cliche that meant nothing. It meant he was fulfilling his purpose. So he was good. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now in reality, the word good modifies servant as does faithful. We have a good servant and a faithful servant. Okay? So I want to skip ahead now to servant and talk about that a little bit. First of all, we need to understand what a servant is and the value of it. At nearly every one of the New Testament authors and most of the apostles identified themselves as servants of God. Peter, Jude, James, Paul, John, all said, I'm a servant of God. This word. Paul in Romans 1 and Philippians 1 took a little bit further and said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And Jesus identified himself as a servant of God and said that his role was to serve humanity. So this servant thing is, is important. I mean, it's, it's valuable, whatever it is. But what we have to recognize, now listen, this is very important. The value assigned to a servant, the value assigned to the servant is, is associated with the identity of the master. The value of a servant is associated with the identity of the master. So James and Peter and John all said, I'm a servant of God. And Paul said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I'm a servant of God. Now what is this thing, a servant? Is this someone that, that, that just brings out a tray and, and offers you water? Is that what this is? No, it's not. See, in reality, what, you're, what you have in front of you in verse number 21, well done, good and faithful servant, you have a culturally acceptable rendering of a word here. Good and faithful servant. So in 1619, 400 years ago, a Dutch ship landed in Virginia and brought off of it 20 African slaves. 16, so 400 years ago, this year. And that began a, a history of racially driven slavery. It's perhaps the greatest stench on the record of the United States of America. Doubtless. Doubtless it is. And that cultural understanding causes our translators to give us a rendering of the word in verse number 21 because they understand that if it told you really in the American English mind, if they told you what this word was, you might reject it. The word servant comes from the Greek word doulos and it means slave. That's what it means. It is one of the most 
basic, menial slaves in a household. It's, it's what it means. It means slave. So because of the cultural allowance, which I actually appreciate, I actually appreciate this. I appreciate that it said servant or bond servant. But it's important for us that we now inform the true meaning of this word. And for, for sake of time and, and just expediency, I, I don't want to go into it too much in too much detail, but here's what I want to say about a doulos. A doulos was afforded no will of their own. No will of their own. They, they, their will was completely submissive to that of the master. Whatever the master wanted was done. There was no volition. There was no will of the doulos. Their will was completely blended and absorbed in the will of the master. Whatever the master wanted, the doulos did. And here, Jesus says from the master to the servant, which you know now it's actually doulos, well done, good and faithful servant or doulos or slave. Now here's the amazing thing about this. Remember I told you, the, the value of a doulos was associated with the value of the master. So what this means is that we are servants of Christ. That means our will is to be absorbed and blended into his. So we have no will of our own. His will is now mine. And so what he calls us to is to do what he would do if he were here. This is the servant that he commends. The one that does what God would do if he were here. This is the doulos. This is the good servant. This is the one that is commended. If Jesus Christ were at your workplace, if he were in your home, if he were in your neighborhood, what would he do? What would he do? This is the good doulos who does that. Who spends his time the way that Jesus would. Who spends his money the way that Jesus would. Who spends his energy the way that Jesus would. Who invests his life where Jesus would. Who does what the master would do if he were here. This is the one he commends. See, the master's going away. The master's going away. So he says to his servants, so he says to his doulos, you do what I would do if I were here. And away he goes. And away he goes. It's a great method. It's a wonderful plan. Because he's given you his spirit. It's given you his, the Holy Spirit has come in and dwelt you. And allowed you, if you're a believer in Christ, and allowed you to be the very temple of God. You see this? Do you see how all of our theology is now coming together? You and I, if you're in Christ, you are called the temple of God. 
And the last thing, and I, I know I've got to go quick. I'm out of time. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. What's a faithful servant? A faithful servant is one who keeps on keeping on. Keeps on keeping on. I think perhaps this might be the most challenging aspect of this commendation. It's, it's difficult, not, not in the same way that a good servant is difficult, because there we, have to, we say no to ourselves and yes to God. But it's, it's, so it's not so much difficult in the nature of the faithfulness, but it's difficult in the daily nature of faithfulness. What is faithful? Faith was continue to do what the master would do day after day, again and again. It's the discipline to keep going, the willingness to continue to, to submit to the master. It's, it's the trust in God that drives the person to go and try again. I'm talking with this married couple, married over 50 years, and they said to me, I don't know what we've done, but God is just, he's just blessed us. I, I don't know what we've done to have a good marriage. I said, I know what you've done. You got up every morning and you did it again and again and again and again. And that's faithfulness. It doesn't quit. It doesn't get distracted by the people around who have quit. It doesn't get distracted by the people around who criticize and point. It just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Well done. You're meeting your purpose. Good. Servant. Fulfilling the will of the Father. And faithful servant continuing to go this is what jesus commends i trust it's what you want to be i trust that as jesus is in your life he makes you want to hear his well done good and faithful servant let's pray jesus in heaven lord we do thank you for just the blessing that we have of knowing that in you we are good your purpose is fulfilled in us. May we be faithful, Lord. May we faithfully respond to you as your servants, Lord. And may our will be submitted to yours. Father, give us the opportunity this week to see this lived. And I pray that for anyone here that's being tempted to quit, that's just being tempted to sit down, that just give up, Lord, they would just continue to see you. And to keep on keeping on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.